Hey, and welcome to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem Podcast, where we aim to help you, the big-hearted change maker with a bold vision to build a business that gives you butterflies and a life that makes you want to high-five yourself. How? By addressing the interconnected nature of all that you do. From marketing to mindset and everything in between, we believe your business is more ecosystem than monoculture and that when it comes to creating sustainable success, it's all connected and there is no one-size-fits-all formula. Join us for conversations that embrace nuance, elevate the importance of empathy, and address the diverse and unique strengths that enable entrepreneurs to not just make money, but to make real lasting positive change in a regenerative and revolutionary way. Hey, welcome back to the Entrepreneur's Ecosystem. We're so grateful that you're here tuned in. We have a very special episode in store with a magnificent person who I've known for so many years and Dawn's going to get to know through our conversation and you're going to get to know. And I have a feeling that you will love her. So here's, without further ado, a formal intro to our magnificent guest, Meryl Kriegsman. Meryl is the CEO and founder of a company dedicated to helping you create wealth on your terms through entrepreneurship. How does she do that? By showing you how to sell out your premium offers and flagship programs whenever you want and at whatever price you want. And Meryl's been featured in all of the places an entrepreneur would want to be featured Forbes, Fast Company, you know the the spots. But the much more exciting thing, I think, is that you can spot her in the wild, reading erotic novels, playing with her kids on her organic farm, wearing a 1920s lace dress and rubber boots, and just doing, yeah, so many incredible things that I would love to talk about today. Welcome. Thank you. And honestly, Jensi, when I like look at your stories and your posts and stuff like that, I'm like, she has my life. It's just, <laughs> this is so weird, but you have like my life. We have both of us are like young kids. We live on like a plot of land. We are way too invested in like this permaculture project that we're doing, which is sort of like on top of a business, on top of kids. Like, how are we even doing it, Chansey? We just talked about that, you know, we're discovering our first gray hairs. I think we're fairly similar in age. That's like, yeah, it's like we have a lot in common for sure. <laughs> yeah, for real. And you are such an expander for me. And I'm going to talk about why that is. Yeah, I wanted to share a bit about our backstory just so everyone's like in the loop because we've known each other for a while. We were in a peer mastermind together three, four years ago. I think so. I was like thinking about when that started and yeah, like a bunch of years ago before we had our last babies. Finally, like, I don't know, maybe 
babies. That was my final baby, but <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I think we were in the mastermind together when I got pregnant with Juno. So my yeah. second. Yeah. And and yeah, like if anyone listening doesn't know what a peer mastermind is, it's basically like you get together with your peers and you run it the same way you would a paid mastermind, kind of sorta where you just ask questions and kind of trade hot seats and share wins and challenges and all of that. So really beautiful experience. And yeah, I when I can't remember now, like the timeline, I know the timeline of our current reality is so all over the place. It, it had been a few years since our pure mastermind. And I've just watched you grow leaps and bounds, not only growing massive amounts of beautiful organic food, but you've grown your business in such a huge way. And you've, you made this big pivot, which had started when we were in the Pure Mastermind together, where you were a copywriter and then you shifted into becoming a business mentor and a coach and leading programs. And that shift really, from my perspective, just, whoa. I mean, I mean can you talk about it? Because you can probably talk about it better than I can. From my perspective, I'm like, what is Meryl doing? How is this happening? What is going on? Because you went from like copywriter, like doing well, sure, you know, making six figures to like making millions doing mm-hmm. something that you truly, truly love and are so good yeah. at. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So I, I was actually realizing that probably at my first like true hot seat experience while we were in the peer mastermind, because that that's not something I'd done before because I was doing one-on-one copywriting work. It's interesting too, because we were all a bunch of copywriters. I don't think anyone is fully in the copywriting sort of box anymore. So what really happened is that I realized, and I think this is such an important topic as well, right? It's like we go through life, we choose, we choose a, right? As business owners, we choose like a a niche and then people get to know us as, as that thing, right? Like that's, that's what so-and-so does. And, and then we often get stuck there. And I've always been really committed to re- evaluating, re sort of like sitting with that question of like, what am I though? And what do I really do? And where is that beautiful intersection between right, making the most amount of money with what feels the least like work? And so I was, I was looking at like the people I was working with going, wait, it's the, right. The sort of off the cuff, like suggestions that I make, or maybe you should do this offer though, right. I was writing a sales page for someone. I was like, do you realize that there's like a opportunity here for like a high ticket program and that all these people that I interviewed for like the voice of customer actually are clamoring to be in right to pay you like whatever, 25 grand to, to learn from you. And no, not even privately, like in a program. And then, you know, that person would have like a, a million dollar launch or right more. And so that happened a bunch of times until I was like, you know what, like copywriting is just a piece of the puzzle of, of what I really do and what my magic is and how I'm able to help people remember their magic. Right. And, and so one day I was just like, let's just call 
a spade a spade <laughs> and start owning right the business mentorship piece. And I went through a whole thing though. It's like interesting when I look at former landing pages, mine says like sales expert, brand, blah, 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 blah specialist, like, right. So I just, I went through so many iterations, but the business mentor, mentor is sort of like stuck. It's like, that's probably pretty accurate. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. And I think for me, a huge shift was also when I started moving from one-on-one work to serving groups. I was, I've always just been really fascinated by like how much money can we make? You know, how far can we push this thing? This is so much fun, right? It's like this one big experiment. And so that's what I was committed to. So I wasn't committed to becoming the best copywriter. I was like committed to becoming a really rich person in a lace dress with rubber boots on, raising little kids and being myself on the farm. Yeah. Sounds fun. Super beautiful. I love it. I feel like so many copywriters or like, I guess like service servicers, people who are like providing services do end up doing so many different things. And that's sort of like a shift I'm going through similarly, but differently. Um, It's interesting to hear about how it happened organically and how you played with like, like looking back over your landing pages and being like, oh, sales expert. No, that's not quite right. Um, (laughs) How did you feel into that? And then, of course, you have copy skills. So that's a big part of being able to sell your stuff. But how were you able to feel into that and move past, I guess, the labels, maybe the boxes that you put on yourself? Because I think for lots of us, and it's yeah, especially like niching down, our last episode was on thought terminating cliches. And I almost think niching down can be that too. And like right. for me, the idea of niching down in any way is not exciting. So that like, it's like a business terminating cliche because then I'm not like, like, where's the expansiveness? So for you, as you were figuring that out and as you were moving through it, and I imagine even now you're probably going to evolve and shift, right? But how did you know, okay, this, not this, or like, yeah, Yeah. this lights me up. Yeah. That's the question. Oh yeah, for sure. So I always talk about niching up instead of niching down. So that's like the first thing. Um, because that's really what it does, right? Like if you if you do it right, it, it sort of up levels everything, and it's not 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 a down and narrow. It's a it's a up and expansion of right your your brand, your your influence, your your impact, and your income, of course. So the way I see niching is that right instead of doing a lot of different things, sort of like let's say there's like seven things that you're known for, right? It's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. What you do is you take that same le- breath, no, b- b- width, I guess is what I'm saying. There you go. And you, it's sort of like, it falls into like this, this chasm of like the narrow niche, but it goes so deep. Like that you're still always like exploring. It's just like, it's a, it's an adding of depth rather than width. There you go. That's what I was trying yeah. to say, right? So there's so much to like, even if you were to say like, okay, I'm just going to stick with, let's say designing websites, right? Within that, there's so much for you to explore and even further, like become specialized in and known for. And, and so it is really not depriving yourself of, of, of expansion is just choosing to have that expansion in a very specific area mm-hmm. that I think made, made a huge difference for me. And 
the, I think there's also a huge part for me that is about sort of like, who am I as a person though? Right. Because like, we all have our unique lens. Some of us have a very, like, like a specialist type of lens where we love honing in and being really focused and other people have sort of this, well, I've got something to say about that. And I've got something to say about that one too. And blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and we have like really good things to say and sort of understand the ecosystem or sort of the constellation of different mm-hmm. things and how they work together. So for me, niching is about acknowledging of self and, and how yeah, your unique lens with which you look at the world and, and building a business around that. Right. And that very often starts with, with sort of like a willingness to be really ruthlessly honest with yourself mm-hmm. and go like, do, do I feel happy in this niche? Do I feel expansive or do I feel, or am I choosing this because I think it's going to be profitable? Mm-hmm. Right. Or because somebody else, um, because Shanti, we were in another mastermind together before we were in a peer mastermind together. I think were you in that thing? The copywriter, oh. whatever, maybe not. I don't know. No, you weren't. So. No, but like the, I was, I was in a mastermind before we were in a peer mastermind and, and it was always like, you know, choose these niches or work with, right. It was every, everybody sort of wanted to copy. I think the main, the main teacher or the leader of that mastermind who worked with SaaS companies. And I was like, after three months, I was still like, what is SaaS though? <laughs> it's like, it just didn't land, you know, it was like, uh, you like a different kind of SaaS. <laughs> yeah, like 100%. That's, That's what I'm here to talk about. Let's yes. be honest. We, 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 get in, we can get into the smut novels towards the Oh, end. for sure. Yeah, we got to share both <laughs> uh, I got such fantastic recommendations. Yeah, like, great. literally, tell me your kink and I will pick up what <laughs> I would say to my <laughs> Yeah, after the call. Drive. <laughs> <After laughs> The audience of such no, like it's, software as a service. No, just joking. Yeah, no, it's right. And 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 I could figure that out, but it was just sort of like I I have no soul connection with software. I just I still don't use Asana the way I'm supposed to, according to my team. You know, it's like I can try and fit myself into using some of these things, but quite honestly, it's just not really my, my world where I thrive organically. And then there was the whole thing around like, oh, I need to be right. Like a launch copywriter. Cause then, you know, it's easy to create bigger projects out of that and make more money and get asked again and get referred. And the bottom line is that I was just really good at writing websites and helping people through that process, actually step into recognizing what offers they should be selling and stuff like that. So it was like using copywriting or the project basically as, as a self-discovery business mentorship project, right? That's really what was happening. The same way I was uh, studying the cello for like four years when I was, when I was a kid, like between the age of like eight and 12. And I just couldn't do the music theory stuff. And I basically just used the cello to, to give myself some, some chords. Right. And then I would sing and I would improvise. That was really awesome. And then I went to the conservatory and I still couldn't read notes to save my life. And, and that was tough, but we have to trust like what's calling us in Mm. and, and, and cultivate a sense of like, how do I recognize though? Something is for me. Like when, when do I need to just be sort of like have grit and see it through Mm. versus 
like, am I, am I pushing against something that's just not meant to be? And this is ongoing. Like right now I'm in this place where I committed to blogging. So over the last six months, I've been, I've been very diligent with putting out blog posts. There were a bunch of glitches with the website. So we, we haven't seen massive results. So I'm sort of like, wow, it's like a really big time commitment, you know, writing all these blog posts like every week. It's like, wow. Uh, and then I'm also starting like a LinkedIn thing and I'm working with a podcasting agency and it's just like, it's starting to feel like cluttered. So even today, right. I'm in a process of, do I still want to continue with that? Mm-hmm. What's, what's the most courageous decision is what I usually end up with as a, as a guide. If you're asking me like, how do I lean into that? It's like, what's the most courageous decision here? Is it to stick with it or is it to just let it go? Yeah. Yeah. And that's so tricky when you're experimenting with something and you want to make sure you give yourself enough a chance, time. Yeah. enough time, but then knowing like when enough time has passed and when to just throw in the towel. Yeah. I, I would say like, for me, it's also about pleasure right? Not just courage, but also like what, what actually gives me pleasure. Mm-hmm. If I were to, and this is great because I'm just using this conversation to work through what I needed to. It's like the peer mastermind all over again. It's like, you know, <laughs> like walking through these decisions. No, if I were to follow what feels pleasurable right now, I would go take that self-photography course on Domestica and experiment with that, pairing that with sort of content that's about like wealth, but it's also like a little bit like women that run with wolves and about oaths and vows and sagas and legends and multi-millionaire matriarchs. And that's really, that's really what's calling me, you know? And here I'm like churning out like all these how-to content blog posts. And it's sort of like, just like squishing the magic that wants to serve us. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing to me is that when I hear you talk about like blog posts and LinkedIn, I'm kind of like, yeah, cool. More blog posts and LinkedIn, but hearing you talk about like (laughs) sagas and magic and women who run with the wolves, I'm like, yeah, that's my business coach there. So exactly. There's that piece too of like, if you feel bored and tired and frustrated by it, your audience too. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm on your list and I have like, I, I open your emails often, but not always and never have I clicked on a blog. So like, just like, right. Like I just personally couldn't care less about not that there aren't good blog posts out there. Like if I'm trying to figure something out and I'm like, searching in an engine yeah. for something, then that might be yeah. interesting. And because like, I know you like as a personality, I might be like, Oh, interesting. But when you said blog posts in LinkedIn, I was like, really? Like, I'm not even doing that. And I'm in like baby business place. And I'm like, I'm not interested in that at all. Like if things naturally yeah. lend themselves towards that, like maybe you would be really excited about a blog post sharing about your like experience doing self-photography in the prairies or something. Right. <laughs> on the prairies it's like i would like do self-photography probably my basement to be honest we need a garden a greenhouse slash garden self yeah i have i have very ugly plastic greenhouse right now that basically burns through all the brownie points that we'd ever gathered about bringing our own bags to the grocery store like over the last <laughs> yeah i pretty much blew through my brownie points like mm-hmm. plastic wise but um 
Yeah, no, it's for when I'm really honest with myself, I think, you know, the lure, right? This is the thing. There's like a carrot on that stick, you know, mm-hmm. where, where it's like, oh, and then you have like whatever, right? Like 16 sales calls coming through every week or something. And then I could put a person on that and sort of lean back and have all my programs being filled and stuff like that. But it's, it's just not lighting me up. Right. And why would I spend time doing something that doesn't light me up? And, you know, the thing is, though, right, like in order for me to get back on track with what lights me up, I have to go disappoint some people. <gasps> and I don't like disappointing people at all. I was just like messaging my LinkedIn teacher who is like one of the best LinkedIn people globally, of course, because I'm not here to play a small game. And I'm like, I feel like I'm like that student, you know, or like, oh, I'm I'm not a good student and I hate it. I want to be like the good student, right? But so working through sort of like what here is people pleasing, what here is like, uh, you know, aversion to risk, what here is courage, what here is, is a coming home to pleasure. What I love is this. It's like, I love having conversations. I, I've always had a really easy time with, with media, right? Hence the, the long list of all the places I've been featured. Like that sort of happens naturally for me, right? So yeah, that's what I have to say about that. Um, can I ask you a question that might be related, but might not be related, which is what was behind your rebrand into this like person who looks like they're yelling often in photos? I feel like, I feel like I was like watching and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's nice. We're not, it's, you guys will have to go to her website to see it. But like, I mean, I can, I can feel that like wild woman thing. Um, but yeah, just what, what brought you to, to that? What, 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 Why, like, I sense you're not loving it though. So I'm like, I didn't, well, I'm not, I'm pretty, no, no, I'm pretty straight up. Um, so I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying I didn't love it. It's just that like, I was like, oh, this is different. I wonder what audience she's looking for or like I so I'm this is actually just like yeah a a purely like out of interest like what is it that made you want to move in that direction um or that like I think there was like one photo I was like is she doing like a vampire thing here like I'm not against that oh yeah no I love I love me too (laughs) blood and what's the vampire diaries I just couldn't stop he was like and Akutar have you read A Court of Thorns and Roses? No. Can you send me like links of names? I'm like really bad at remembering names. But that, yes. Yeah. And Wait, a, is that the one? With discovery the one? of <laughs> right? Like stuff like that. I just, I love it. Um, I'm really here for the juxtapositions, mm. right? I love, I have a very sort of like soft side and right, like very feminine, very femme. And then I also love to, like when I think of how I am with, for example, right, like as a mother, I'm like a real mother bear. I'm like, it's so funny. Like my middle one, my middle one, she loves corpse bride. She mm-hmm. believes that she is a werewolf. And, and so she's like, most of the time she's like through the house, like on her, on her hands and knees and like, oh my God, like the core strength she built up with that. Like all of a sudden she could do like handstands like forever because she's yeah. Doing like this thing, like some Edo portal. Shit. <laughs> it's like, whoa, this is my kid. Like, what the? Right, I'm I'm not very um, athletic. So, right, her favorite story is, 
and I made this up one day and she's asking me for it like every single day. And she it's, it's so lovely. So she loves the story of how I found her well, werewolf t-shirt, which by the way, is on, in the posts on its way to us. It's the most gruesome, bloodied, uh, red eyes. You're like <laughs> a wolf on a black t-shirt and she needed to have it. We always go on Etsy every quarter, every half year or something and buy them some really fun things. So her well, werewolf t-shirts is on its way to us. And she wants to hear the story of how I went into the store, which of course is bullshit because I didn't actually go into the store, but I went into the store and there were like t-shirts with like hearts on them and glitters and princesses. All of a sudden I spotted like this black t-shirt and I walked towards it and I grabbed it. And all of a sudden there was this other mom, like try to be faster than me. And I growled at her, right? Like sort of like. And, 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 and told this basically mom to like, fuck off because, um, my child was not just wanting a t-shirt for Halloween. My child was actually from a long line of werewolves, mm-hmm. right? So the right? Like we had the right to t-shirt mm-hmm. and, um, and then I wanted to just tell the rest of the story. And she was like, no, mom. And then she started pushing back. Like she really wanted to t-shirt. And like, so we started fighting in the shop. And right. So it was like this whole thing about me sort of standing up for my kid and, and, growling and then the shop owner it ends with the shop owner like shaking in his boots and giving me the t-shirt for free so it's like <laughs> I, I like I like earned it I earned the t-shirt for you right and she just loves it and that's sort of like how I am as a mom of course this is a totally exaggerated story but that's sort of like I'm not I'm not afraid to like bare my teeth if I have to mm-hmm. right if you fuck with me in mind then <laughs> Right. So I think I'm, I'm always looking to, to really fully own the juxtaposition of, of who I am and, and, and the full range of, of my human expression. And I don't know if the screaming picture is the right one for like the first thing you see on the, on the homepage. Right. But also I think it's important for us to also in our imagery and, and potentially self-photography, which I'm experimenting with. It's so good and it's so cheap. <laughs> I don't need a photographer anymore. <laughs> and it's like, it's really good stuff. People love it. Right. It's the, the, the sort of like the, so often we only get to see one side of a person and then we start believing because we're constantly faced with our own branding imagery. We start believing that that's really who we are and that's all that we are. Mm-hmm. When I want to constantly remind myself and the people around me that I am this and I'm that and I'm right. All the things and, and that that is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And it's, interesting to look at the like the broader scope of your rebrand and just like following along with that and so there's the visuals yeah that are like super fierce which I think also speak to a little bit to like your style and approach as a coach and mentor in that like honesty and sometimes like intensity in the wisdom you're sharing that yeah, like it can be full on, but mm-hmm. if that's what your client needs, you're giving it. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, you have this visual of, of like flowers, like hundreds of flowers adorning your hair, which is just like all over the place. And that those two images like are, are polar opposites almost, but they're not. 
because they're, they're yeah. both here. I think for me, there was also this as a creative brief, like I, I work within my own business with creative briefs. I'm, I'm like, I'm sort of like, how can I do this thing with only three core ingredients? Mm. Go. And I'm like, right now a puzzle. And then I create like a million dollar launch or I like, that's, that's fun to me. So the creative brief for this particular project was um, Persephone. Mm. So I have like, so so much kinship to that particular archetype. I was very much my mother's daughter growing up and sort of right. Like a mom with um, my mom has chronic health issues. Mm. And so I was always sort of there to like support her and tend to her and, and right. Being her sort of her companion almost. And then when I was fairly young in adulthood, I was swept away. I am much older (laughs) man who uh, literally, not literally, figuratively, but also a little bit literally abducted me to a very cold, frigid place where (laughs) we have a lack of uh, like, you know, summer, summer months and lush grass because we're freezing our butts off most of the, most of the, most of the year. And I sort of stepped into, right. The, the phase in my life where I becoming like the queen of the underworld right so you see in in the progression of persephone like this really sort of like this 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 young girl mm-hmm. which i still am it's a little bit also like the dynamic of our relationship like Keith was just like playing with my hair this is very intimate information it's just like he was like sort of braiding my hair and i was like oh, i'm feeling a small right now <laughs> um but then the next moment i'm like the fierce like you know business figure right and he works with me in the business but also I'm boss I'm the CEO and I'm doing like that beautiful like switch in power dynamic which sometimes is beautiful and sometimes also clashes enormously because we're both alphas but you know it's just like it was it felt like incredibly fun to play with mm. yeah okay second book wreck I don't know if you've read Neon Gods have you no Oh my God, okay. recommendations. Okay, oh so God. it is like a romanticized, like smutty version of the story of Persephone and Hades. Oh. Oh, so good. So good. Have you have you read um Welcome to the Dark Side by Jenna Darling? Oh my god, it's so good. It's oh. so good. <laughs> so so okay. good. So and actually it's it plays in BC. So you will love it. Oh, yes. Cool. She lives. All her books are phenomenal. Like I love it. But yeah, welcome to the dark side. It's, it's sort of also, I would say, like um Persephone. Well, some of most some of our books are. Like there's also Enthralled, or it's like the the something duet or something. And it's it's also about like that whole Hades Persephone dynamic, which I think is like hot. I think it's really hot. So I'm here for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're capturing, we're capturing these book recs. We'll share them with you guys. Okay. I would love to talk about this because I am in complete agreement with you on it. I think Dawn is too. And this whole idea of this ethical marketing movement that is veering into purity culture at times and yeah. just riddled with judgment and shame and guilting people. And it's not like they're guilting Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates. They're guilting women yeah. trying to 
like often just trying to make ends meet in their businesses, their families. Yeah. And feed their families and help people. Yeah. And it's seeming to have sort of the opposite effect. And I know you're seeing this, like, can we talk about it? Oh yeah, for sure. Actually, um, considering we were talking about the blog, I just posted a blog post about this, which is sort of the, one of the first blog posts that I really wanted to read myself, if I'm honest, right. Where it's like something that I actually want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm realizing I'm not marketing my blog here, but also it's full of how to information. If that's what you're looking well, okay. So Elisa shared your blog post on the 75 I think it's 75 client red flags. She was like, this is so good. So yes. Yeah. So I just wrote basically a blog post about it where I say like, it, it, like we have to look at what the, what the effects are of it. Right. That's I'm a very pragmatic person. You can tell me all about like, is this good? Is this bad? I'm just curious about what is the actual effect? And the effect is that it, it effectively, shuts a lot of people up. It mm-hmm. stops people from sharing their joy because they, they are concerned it will be perceived as privilege. Mm-hmm. Right. So I've literally, including like women of color coming to me where it's like, Meryl, my, my income completely plummeted because I feel I can't talk about trauma while I'm also sharing my joy or I can't right? like sort of the, it becomes very black and white. And if you, if you are a person who thinks in, in, in grays and, and colors, <laughs> right? All those things in between, you will be fiercely judged against that sort of black and white, uh, right? Does it fall within this or does it fall within that? Which I think is really dangerous thinking. It's very, um, um, sort of reminds me of like, you know, the Soviet regime or right stuff like that. Um, I lived uh, for seven years in Leipzig in the East of Germany, which, you know, was, was, um, was ruled by the Soviet Union for, for decades and what it did to people, right. They just completely stopped expressing themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's a concern that I have. A concern that I have is around the ineffectiveness of what is coined ethical marketing. Now, here's the thing I want to say. I have nothing against creating marketing that cares about people. Mm yeah right like 100% right and we we have to always be willing to question our our practices and be curious and right reflect but many of the things that are right considered now sort of like the new rules whenever i hear the, the word rules i'm like mm-hmm. out of here <laughs> it's just gonna right go out the out the back door um Right, the new rules say things like you can't do painful bonuses, you cannot do um, urgency and scarcity, you can't do literally everything that makes for a successful promotional campaign is mm-hmm. now coined as bad. Right, and I, yeah, and I would just add to that. I've seen it go as far as you can't even use yourself in your imagery and talk about your life and your lifestyle because then you're basically a cult leader. Like I've seen it go to that end. So there's no limit to the sort of absurdity, but but yes. And the language around it has also kind of been hijacked. So it's, it's difficult to talk about. Like I've had people say to me like, Oh, I love your like ethical marketing style. I'm like, Oh, cool. I love that you perceive it that way. I'm not like trying to be the quote unquote ethical because I think every single person has different ethics. 
but it's again, it's that full range of, of like who we are as human beings, mm-hmm. right? So, like part of me is totally like trickster archetype. I love seducing people. And, and sometimes it's a little bit like, I love to tell you beautiful lies, right? And, and I mean, not really, it's not, I'm lying about client results or anything, but it's sort of some like that whole seductive energy, for example, mm-hmm. is something that is, is an integral part of me as a person, mm-hmm. right? So if I start to phase that out of my business, I'm not going to have a business, Right. And also, right. I almost feel like I need to defend myself around. I'm not lying though. I'm not like, that's not what I'm doing. It's just right. But the fact that I feel I need to even like defend myself, it's like, can we, can we have space for like the subtleties, Mm -hmm. the layeredness, Mm -hmm. the, the fact that dynamics between people are complex and, and therefore beautiful and right. Extremely diverse Here's another thing I was, I was finding that a lot of the judgment or, or feeling judged was actually coming from fellow white women who yeah. portrayed themselves as, 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 as very like woke. It's the word that I would use when right content that I had actually sort of stopped posting because I was like, oh, this is like portraying my whatever privilege actually was landing really, really well with my women of color audience. They were like, I love this stuff. So the question also for me was like, who, who the fuck am I accountable to? Right. right. Who, who are we accountable to? Like what matters to me is that when I host a masterclass, there's tons of people who don't look like me, who have a different lived experience, feeling welcomed in that room and safe enough to post and be visible and participate and announce themselves. That's what matters to me. Mm-hmm. What matters to me is that I have some, some incredible trans men in my community and that they feel seen, heard and acknowledged in their experience and they feel supported. And that matters to me. What matters to me is that we all make so much money that we can generously give from the overflow and support activists, Mm -hmm. right. Who are, who are, um, uh, fighting for social, environmental, racial justice. Those things matter to me. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I find a lot of the time, and I don't want to like shit talk white women, but I find a lot of the time the like, like act- funny because we're all white women. Here, it's like- yeah. Uh, but the act the the like there's this like performative activism that maybe is just trying to make them feel better for the privilege. Like, I love the idea of spending the privilege. Like you're like, make so much money that we can like put our resources in places that matter to people that matter. And then for me, I just kind of never want to tell anyone about it, like, or tell anyone if that's your thing, right? Like, as opposed to like, just like white women calling other white women out. It feels to me like there was like maybe like 10, 15 years where you could like be a proud woman and, um, and really like show up as yourself. And and now you're not allowed anymore. It's like, like got us to this place where you were allowed to do it. And now it's like the woke movement. (laughs) Yeah. So like if ethics means I can't be authentic. I mean, of course we should be sensitive, right? And I do believe in spending privilege and uplifting other people. But if ethics mean you can't be authentic, then it like, are they really ethical? Or are you just like hiding behind some 
uh, like movement that's probably like, um, you know, a bought and paid for a movement from like large corporations or something. It's just it's like the, 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 the most important thing in my mind is to just have conversations, mm. right? I, I was on a whole thing about like making reparations until I spoke to some, right, black women from uh, living in the U.S. who were like, that is so pat- patronizing. Is that the word, right? right? Where it's like, yeah. so you're, I'm still not invited to that table where you're all going to discuss what you feel you owe us. It's like, what the fuck? Right. right? So it, it is, it is incredibly, or how, the way I would say it's like, we should never, ever try to, to create, right. Like, like solutions without partnership. 100%. Right. So, so that's really what I'm wanting to do. That's what I'm doing. Um, and then you know, here's the thing, right? I think, uh, like, I I had a not like full blown cancellation experience, but like definitely like a little bit of it. Mm. Which, right? I always say, like, at one point, um, it's probably going to happen to all of us at yeah. some point because it's a thing. And if you want to learn more about cancel culture, my cancel culture is actually extremely damaging and almost the opposite of what it what it portrays itself to be definitely follow uh, Clementine Morgan. Mm. There's also a really good book called, let me, let me actually create like a list of books and I'll send it to you and you can pop it in the, in the, in the notes. Cause I'm really bad at like remembering names on the spot. So my translation happened right around the time that everyone was called to, I don't want to say accountability, but sort of to reflect, right. Which I think was a really phenomenal, awesome thing that happened also within myself and what I noticed is that were that, that there were so many right white women who were, like you said, pointing fingers at other white women, which is funny because now I'm pointing fingers at because I think they were actually really scared to reflect on on their internalized like patterns of racism, for example, right? So it was easier to to point the finger to not actually feel like, Hey, there was some finger pointed at me. I need to sit with this and right. Like be, be willing to be in that discomfort. So, you know, and this is me having thoughts about this as a white woman, right. It's just like, I'm learning, growing, reflecting, um, right. Ever, ever ongoing journey for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think ultimately it's, it's not, coming from a place of wanting to be like vindictive or aggressive or cruel. I want to make the assumption that a lot of the like ethical marketing stuff that like from our perspective goes a bit too far into shame, guilt, and blame. But from their perspective is like, no, like there's so much injustice. There's so much corruption. This is what I can do to maybe help fix it. And it's just that it's also a reflection, I think, of our relationships to ourselves. Like, are, is that person who's saying, like, you're not allowed to post photos and talk about your family life because your privilege is showing? Like, mm-hmm. do they internally, like, are they just shaming and guilting and blaming themselves for things? Like, what is that mirror effect? What is, what's the dynamic there? Yeah. I think that, you know, to like people, like some people, 
right, are always looking for structures and roles because they gain sort of like a sense of safety within that. And then there's always the people who are like, as soon as they smell sort of like, ooh, this is starting to feel like a little like boxed in. And it's like, you know, what we were laughing about was like, like, uh, I think I'm right. Because for, for, for me, right. What, what a lot of the ethical marketing movement has become, right. I'm not saying that that was the original intention, but what it has become is the breaking down right barriers and, and walls just to erect new ones. Right. Right. And that's, that's when you get like, oh, it's actually the same thing. It just, it's wearing a different jacket. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, it's, it's, there's, there's a little sort of like a different, different coating on top, Mm -hmm. but really what it is, is, you know, when it, when it shuts people up, it it stops people from expressing themselves. It uh, right. Stops women very often, right. From making money. The punishment is a right, a recognizable one, right? Cancellations, like shunning, right, all over. It's like, what what is this really? Right? This is patriarchy. This is purity culture in just right showing up as or disguised as. Right. So again, love the ethical marketing sort of core concept. It's just like at this point, whenever I see it in somebody's bio, I'm I'm a little bit like do you think you are better than me? That's what mm-hmm. comes up for me. It's not what they mean to do. Mm-hmm. I'm fully aware of that. But it's like, do you feel you know something that other people don't know? Do you feel you have more awareness than uh, the other people around you for you to, to call yourself like a leader in ethical whatever, mm-hmm. right? I personally, I'm I'm like too aware of like all my layers as a human being to to even sort of want to go there. It's like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, and uh, yeah, and it's fascinating to observe how it manifests in the like female business owner community. And then we're like the whole like ethical marketing movement is like, Bro marketing is evil. Yeah. And so the bro marketers are over here and it's just going like whatever. I watch them and pay attention to them too. And I think that like a lot of them are like really good people and putting out really great shit and yeah. doing good work. And they're like supporting each other and each other's affiliates. And like, yeah, they probably like jab each other too, but totally different dynamic that I've observed. And it reminds me of being back in like the seventh grade when the girls are all like stabbing each other in the back and the guys are just bro past the football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. And there's, there's like, obviously right. Problems in any kind of community, right. Like probably if you look at their lineups, like it's, 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 it's not diverse. That is problematic, right. All the things. And I fully agree with you, right. It's like, the what what women tend to do to one another to undermine each other i've become extremely leery of any kind of like sisterhood mm. type language or community that say things like you know um, all ships rise together with the t- like i'm very bad at expressions like i cannot repeat them to save my life but right sort of this idea of like we have to help each other we have to support each other because most of the time well, I mean, how cynical do I want to come across? Like Meryl, the cynical person, <laughs> right? Like, but let's say that 
I have felt supported by communities that sort of describe themselves as more businesslike and potentially even cutthroat, like as much as, as communities that sort of portray themselves as having sisterhood and supporting one another and vice versa, right? It's, it's acts speak louder than, mm-hmm. than sort of like the, the words that we use to sort of portray ourselves. And, and yeah, that's what counts for me. Like, yeah. who are you being? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. But what about like false scarcity? <laughs> like is false scarcity an okay thing? Like, uh, you know, or like there are some, okay. So there's two ways to do false scarcity. You could pretend your launch is ending or you could actually end your launch. Now mm-hmm. that course still exists, right? Like it's still yeah. there. You're just not going to get it until the next time or what have you just thinking about things that bring people to an emotional place and why they might make a decision. And like, yeah, I don't, I don't even have a bio. Don't ask me to write a bio. I can't even go in that box. Right. So I'm not going to put ethical marketer in it, but I don't, and I, I, I don't want to like lie to people either. Right. So like, there's this like fine line between, okay, well, I have an evergreen launch, but you only get this discount if you buy it before this time, because that's where you're at in the funnel. And is that false scarcity? Or is that like, just you having boundaries? I'm not sure. I just, yeah. uh, yeah. Throw it out there. Oh, there's a finger. Well, what I think it is, is acknowledging our humanness. And in acknowledging our humanness, we, you know, we can look at the soft side of that and we can have empathy for another person's experience. And, and, and that can be really powerful as a marketing and communication tool, but let's look at the dark side of our humanness. Like what makes us take action? on a psychological level, like we know, each of us knows that if there's no urgency and if there's no scarcity, then there's often no action, no impetus, no like external urge because we have this ego that is just obsessed with keeping us safe and, and overthinking and stagnant. And so I think those things are, are essentially hacking the ego and getting beyond. You know, like when I think about like posts that I see where it's like, there's only so many spots left, there's only this much time left. I don't even care if that's like real or not. Like as a consumer, I couldn't care less. It's just for me, a reminder to sort of, re-engage with my decision-making process. That's, that's how I experience it on, on sort of like the, the consumer end. And, and again, right. It's like these, these question of, of, is this good or is this bad? Mm -hmm. Right. First of all, I love being a bad girl. Right. So it's like, that's a, that's a whole other thing, but I just, I just love it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and second of all, I grew up with Dutch television, which means that I watched all these like completely inappropriate, (laughs) like regarded by the international community as completely inappropriate, like scenes where, for example, there was this one program where there was a, a scene, every episode where it said, Machdat of Machdat Neat was like a sort of like a, 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 a yeah, like a returning sort of sketch variations on the theme that returned every episode, mm-hmm. which means is this allowed or is this not allowed? 
And, and so they would literally have scenes of like this kid that would grab like their mom's uh, electric toothbrush and um, try to, to, to sort of move because they had, they had done a turd in, in like the bathtub because they couldn't sit on the toilet. So now they were using like their mom's electric toothbrush to like get it through the, the plug. Right. And, and then there was a question around like, is this allowed or is this not allowed? And they would always say the opposite, right? It's like, this is allowed, right? Of course you can grab your mom's toothbrush. And of course, right. And another scene would be where they took their smaller sibling and used the, the French doors to sort of extort the truth, you know, sort of torture. It's like, that was also loud. And of course we were all like, no, right. These little children are like, you cannot do that. Right. But it's just like, it always comes to mind when people are, are sort of the, is this good or is this bad? I'm like, well, in this context Mm. used with these people, with this kind of a background, with this particular strategy, Maybe, maybe it's not a good idea, right? But if you use it in this context with this particular, right? It's like, it's so subtle. We cannot just say good, bad, yes, no. It depends, right? Mm-hmm. As and, and and honestly, the it depends is where you start honoring people's humanity for for real, right? And diversity within your audience, because you now, you now go into like, okay, so it's lands differently for you than it does for you than it does for you right etc for me like when i think of of you know my business and stuff like that and the spaces that i'm creating i'm i'm not even for example uh considering or or aiming to create a safe space i don't think there is such a thing i don't think there is such a thing as like safe marketing where it's like you don't harm anyone right? Everything can be a murder weapon, right? It's like, and everything can be used as a tool for, for good. And, um, something that's being said in, in, right. Like I said, let's say my, my free Facebook community can land wrongly with some individuals. Right. And then there's simply the openness to have a conversation, right. And, and them knowing that I'm I'm going to be open to having that conversation. Those are the things that matter, in my opinion. Yeah. And anything can be a trigger. And who is responsible for managing our triggers? Is it ourselves? Yeah. Or is it, yeah, is it like the leader that we follow? Mm. How are they supposed to know? Yeah. It's an interesting question, right? Because we, we all have different lived experiences it's like it's almost for example like for for a while there i felt that i had to completely erase any language around women and woman and she because a lot of people around me were telling me that that was like ex- ex- exclusion right excludes making like exclude excluding certain people but you know what like as as a high femme queer individual the fact that I get to claim my queerness and sort of like woman, femme, right? Like my femininity is actually something that I, I had to earn, right? And and worked really hard for within myself mm-hmm. to, to be able to get to say to myself, I, you know what? I get to have both. I don't have to be butch in order to express my queer side. And I don't have to be this in order, right? Again, like the full range. And, and so- for me, it makes actually total total sense to 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 proudly right lead with those words, right? And it also doesn't mean that that 
that I mean to exclude certain individuals, but again, right, each story, each business, each individual 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 business owner, right, has a different a different story that they bring to the table as well. So I think also just sort of gravitating towards the business owners and 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 the communities, right, that they create that feel good. Mm right, is, is really important and honoring that within yourself. Yeah. Right. And that feeling is often the, the main driver, the strongest pull of why you're going to do a certain thing. Yeah. 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 It's just so much to explore on this subject alone, but I'd love to look at that piece around feeling, attracting the people who feel resonant and aligned with what you're putting out there and then who are willing to invest at maybe an uncomfortable level to Mm -hmm. be in that space with you to work with you to learn from you yeah yeah so that kind of like and I don't know that that's necessarily like high-end positioning or how we even define that but you're doing it Meryl like you're (laughs) You're putting yourself out there and, and I feel like you're attracting people who feel like they, they need to learn from you and, and hang with you. Yeah. So when it comes to right high end selling positioning, it's always funny because I don't, don't actually even resonate with that word. Right? Like I love luxury, but also not the what people sort of associate with luxury, right? Like I've, I've one of my mentors, she was posting like, Oh, and I bought this, another thing at Louis Vuitton. And I have like this carte, um, right necklace that she received as a thank you gift. And right. She booked a private jet and that's like totally not my world. Like I, I love wearing like costume jewelry. It's like, I'm looking at these things like the, like, I love these beautiful earrings but but also like they I think they were like 65 bucks or something right it's like whatever so what it comes down to for me is is really understanding like for which people right or what people will benefit from your services to such an extent that it's really like worth potentially like millions of dollars so I have clients who um this is an interesting story and I have so many of these stories like endless stories one of my clients, um, she helps polish up sales departments in really, really big companies. And she does that right before they get ready for like a merger or acquisition. And that makes the, the value right of the company move from, for example, one, one of the companies that she supported, the value of the company moved from $700 million to $3 billion. It was valued at $3 billion. The same person right, was asking me, like, should I do like a little challenge in my Facebook group? I have like this Facebook group of right, all these, they're sort of like moms who are trying to sell soap from their garages, but I really care about them and, and, and sort of feel like I need to support them because they can really benefit from what I offer. And I was like, get yourself together. Like, wait, what? Like, don't like, just don't. Right. It's just like, so grateful for, for having that, like what you, what you were referring to like intense slap in the face where it's like, 
snap out of it, right? Like if you ever watched Moonstruck, which by the way is one of my favorite movies, mm. right? Where Cher is just like, snap out of it, right? There's so many like snap out of it moments between me and my clients where I'm, I'm like, you you can literally position what it is that you offer as something that 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 right starts at 1.5 million for consulting. And you are right considering creating like a whole challenge and, and selling like a lower ticket offer to people who 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 probably even won't go for it, right? Because there's not like the dedication there and the commitment. Um, wait, what are we doing? But many of us, right, start like fall back into like these target markets that cannot afford us. Mm-hmm. Now, right, you're talking about sort of the the idea of right accessibility, right? We're talking about ethical marketing stuff. Like accessibility is actually something I I deeply care about, right? Where we I want people to have access to to what it is that I teach, also if they have a smaller budget. But the the if you if you position yourself to work with clients, right, who potentially literally are willing to pay you millions of dollars to work with you, to have access to what it is that you have to offer, you now have the money to uh, create a scholarship program and have it be state of the art, right? Instead of like, oh, you get access to this, but not to this, because this is right team. I have to hire a team for that. And that I don't want to do. It's like, no, Right. Like we, we gave away five full scholarships last year and it was awesome. Right. But we could only do that because, right. We were making so incredibly much money um, or right. Lower, lower ticket offers, right. Or blog or right. Whatever it is that I'm going to choose to do. I have the time to do it. Well, I have the budget to do it well because I am well positioned for right to help the people who can really, really benefit and who see that and are willing to pay for it. Yeah. So the lady who you didn't let have a soap challenge, have a challenge in her soap group. Uh, did you give her some ideas for how to help those people that she cared about? Or did, was there like a way, like, so that's interesting to me. I, I love the idea of sure a scholarship or, or what have you, but I don't know if you have an example of what she did instead. Cause it's like, feels like maybe she was called to serve them. Uh, I think yeah. they might not have even liked that challenge. So what, what did she do instead? What I said to her is like right now, just focus on yourself and your own cash flow. Mm. And then once you've got that like fully set up, functioning beautifully, mm. then, right, you have sort of the, the, the time freedom, the monetary freedom to then go and, and serve some of the people that otherwise would not be able to afford you. Sure. But it's it's truly like, in my opinion, like oxygen mask first, because when I think of what we are able to to give at this point, right, not just to in scholarships, but also right, like like supporting activists and stuff like that. It's literally to the tune of what I used to make in a full year. You know, like if I had been too eager to to sort of crumble myself back into like serving old people and mm-hmm. and almost like going pro bono, like too fast, Mm. right? We would not have been in this position. So for me, it's also about being really strategic with this. Mm. And again, like what's the actual effect, right? Not like what, what, what feels good right now and what makes me feel good about myself right now, but no, strategically first, first get onto solid ground, scale it the fuck up 
and then being able to truly right make make donations etc that are going to have a massive impact I know this is a little controversial. There's a lot of people who say like start giving 10% like right from the start and all these things, right? And 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 I just personally disagree. Like I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will admit I've used my children's child tax benefit for like just whatever for yeah. like when I was still getting it for years and years and years. And I had the same mindset that was like, yeah, I could like put this into a fund for them, but we can't afford fucking groceries. Yeah. So we're yeah. going to spend it. Like, yeah. 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 Totally. And then, and then I don't know about you, but like my parents were very generous with me. But then when I left, when I left the home, my dad gave me an envelope with 500 bucks and that was it. That was the end of their financial support. They also, I think they thought that Keith had a lot of money, which he didn't have. <laughs> so we actually like plunged into debt, um, but it was fine. Like, I, I think if they had to, if, if they had had a big fund for me, I don't think I would have started my business. Mm. I would have yeah. just coped right along because I'm very good at living on very little money because mm-hmm. um, we did that for quite a few years. So I can fix my own clothes. I can do all the things. I can make a home look beautiful with less like pot of paint and <laughs> like some fresh flowers. It's like, I would have been fine, right? But we really didn't have any money. We were just, we were in debt. We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't do anything. Um, so I started a business, right? So the, the question also is like, what actually supports our kids, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious what the most like abundant, luxurious, high ticket offer in any niche with, with anyone, you know, that you've ever seen. Ooh, I think, uh, actually one of my clients started to create like these permaculture projects, right. That were like so extensive also in regards to climate crisis and setting people up to, to thrive and, and not have their, Right. This you will you will appreciate this uh, living where you live, but you know, like against forest fires and stuff like that. That actually felt like maybe not luxurious, but like needed mm-hmm. and, and and very, very powerful. Yeah. And that was was ranging into like the multiple six figures um at, at points. So yeah, I think that was definitely one. I just I just bought a six-figure plus coaching package that I feel very luxurious about. So that one too. But you know what? It's not even like that there's a whole bunch of things involved, right? Their team sure are following up with me to give me to give my address so they can send me a bunch of shit. And I'm like, I'm not giving my address because I don't want a bunch of shit. <laughs> Right. It's like, I'm totally fine here. I don't need any more stuff because I'm just going to throw it out. It's always what I do. It's like, I I'm huge on decluttering and stuff like that and feng shui in the house and really believe in that. So it's just, you know, in case of this package that I bought, it's like two calls a month and some box for support and that's it. That's it. And it feels really luxurious because I get my questions answered and that is what I'm willing to pay for. So I think when it comes to creating high ticket offers, please do not feel that it needs to be all of these bells and whistles. It's just like, is it offering the thing that people truly need and know they need and are willing to pay for? Yeah. Yeah. I've certainly fallen into that. 
Add more. Yes. Don't need to dig into it. Um, so in your groups, you're teaching people how to sell high ticket or, and I mean, I'm sure lots of other things. What's like the most common sort of like block that you're seeing or the most interesting block that you see in yeah. your clients? I think it's two things. It's like a lack of self. I don't even want to call it a lack of self-awareness. It's almost like a lack of self-permission more than anything, right? So we, we know very often we know how brilliant we are, mm. right? And how easy our brilliance comes to us. But then the big pitfall that I see people sort of experience is that the closer they move to their zone of genius, the easier the work feels, the less they want to charge for it. And then the further away they move from their zone of genius, the harder the work feels, the more they're likely to charge for work that actually isn't as great because it's not their zone of genius, right? It's their zone of competence or whatever, right? So that's that's definitely one. The other one is just the lack of, of, of trust, right? So for example, when you're doing a high ticket launch, it might take a few emails for people to even start to drop in with like sales calls and stuff. Yeah. Right. And if there is a lack of, of trust in yourself where it's like, oh, did I launch the wrong thing? Right. Did I create a launch that wasn't effective? Right. Maybe, maybe not trusting your audience to buy is another one. Right. And then what, what happens is that people become inactive, right. As in, as in like, they just, and I notice this within myself too. Like I have a lot of tough decisions to make that I postponed because I have the kids at home and, and all the things, it was just like really busy. And, and so there's just sort of like a, a lag in, in tough CEO decisions that I need to be making. And uh, I just don't want to do it. I really want to watch Ozark right now. That's what I want to do. Me too. I got two episodes left in the last season. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm on season one. So this is like a total treat for me. Right. But again, like I love watching it because I recognize myself in, in Marty, right. Or, or Wendy for that matter. Right. Where it's like all, all the things between black and white, right. All the, right. So it's really interesting, but that's what I want to do. And I want to just play in the garden because I planted a whole bunch of flowers. I don't, I don't want to make hard like CEO decisions right now, right. That might affect like what people think of me and what my team thinks of me, right. People pleasing, rearing its ugly head. So I, I, I'm really fierce with myself. I'm fully aware that I'm procrastinating right now and I'm totally okay with that. Um, and just like, okay, so we're, we're doing this thing where we're postponing the hard decisions. Like, okay. It's like, one point you gotta you gotta just make a list and eat that frog, Meryl. Like it's gonna happen, right? And then and then I go, right? And then I get it all done and I move through it and it's fine. But for for many people, that's that's where they actually get stuck because I know that I have to make some hard decisions, but I also trust myself that they are the right decisions. If you feel resistance, right, in in making some some really big key decisions, and you don't trust yourself as to whether they're the right ones, that's when it gets really, really tough, right? And and if you go high ticket, you do need to step into, right, self-leadership. It's going to be enormously important because you want to inspire that in your clients as well. If you have high ticket clients who do not self-lead and who are needy, 
right? If that dynamic is something like, oh, you will, you will not want to stick with high end. You will not want to sell high ticket offers, right? So that, that curating or that developing of self-leadership is a really, really important part of the puzzle. And uh, pairing that with, with trusting yourself to make, to make good decisions. Yeah. And forgiving yourself when you make the wrong ones, because I make wrong decisions all the time too. Mm, Part of the game. Yes. Yeah. I think that's so important. I remember when I had my first business, I made some big mistake and I called my dad and he's a business owner too. And I was like, oh my God, I made this huge mistake. And he's like, well, get used to it because you're just going to keep on making huge mistakes. And if you don't, you're probably not doing things. You're not taking enough risks. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, like when people always ask me, like, how come like you're so successful with your launches and stuff like that? I'm, I'm, I'm like, you, you need to know that there's like a graveyard of like massive failures behind. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, and also, right. Like I launch so often and so much. And so in such a simple way mm. that it's fine. If something doesn't work, I'm just like next, next, next. So there's like a, so many chances I'm giving myself that I can be in a place of, you know, relative attachment. Some days more successful than others. Mm, I think that's really beautiful, actually. I look like a success because you just aren't looking at all of the failures that you saw. Not that you're not a success, right? Like failure doesn't make you unsuccessful. It just like maybe leads you in a different direction or in maybe in the right direction. Yeah. Totally. It's just like, course correct. Yeah. Correct. Right. That's what it does. Mm. Yeah. I definitely suffer from the, like not trusting myself. So not making decisions thing. So that really resonated. Thanks. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. If you guys listening are resonating to any one more Meryl in your life, where can we find you? You can absolutely join my free Facebook group. It's called Wealth on Your Terms. We just changed the name and I'm I'm fairly active in there. We share some amazing content, including blog posts. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Once every while, but it's mostly just me having thoughts and, and, and sharing them with the world. So yeah, Wealth on Your Terms on Facebook. I don't know, like I can give people like access to my, um, secret podcast. I can, I can give you like a promo code if that works. Um, yeah, yeah. I love your secret podcast. Yeah. It's like, it's fairly, fairly juicy. Um, and then right. Like people will just get like the, the promo code and then they can opt in for free. Normally it, it costs something, but I'd love to just put that forward. And then also just follow me on, on Instagram, come hang out in my stories. Um, always love that. Just simply my name on Instagram and, and we'll connect. Don't connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm not sure that's going <laughs> to, I was going to say, <laughs> should we see you on LinkedIn? Uh, I checked LinkedIn the other day and I had, I hadn't checked since December mm-hmm. and I left this one kind of important conversation, like lingering because I just never go on there. And this person never thought that. So they never thought to like email me. Anyways, so funny. So we will include all those links in the show notes, including Meryl's amazing secret podcast and the promo code for that. And thank you so much. This was so much fun. An amazing conversation. Yeah, it was my pleasure. So nice. Right. 
Thank you. Well, look at you listening to the very end. We are so deeply grateful for you and borderline obsessed with hearing what resonated most and how you're taking the seeds planted in these conversations and sowing them in your life and business. It would mean more than you know if you would share this episode with a friend or subscribe, rate, leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Your reviews tell the algos behind the apps that we are worth pressing play on. So please, if you're feeling generous, take two minutes to share the love. And if you are curious around what your unique advantage is in this wild and wacky online world, take the unfair advantage quiz at shantyzack.com forward slash UA quiz. And thank you again, sunshine. Go light up the world and we'll see you next time.